Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. I have a kind of simple message I want to share with you tonight, or at least I think it's simple. And... Uh, but it's not easy, yeah. <laughs> this one might even be easy, too. I could really sum this up in about five minutes, but what fun would that be since you're already here, and, and uh, we certainly don't want to do that. And uh, I, I really was working with a thought last week, and it's just something that sort of stirred in me, and I was reading some things in the book of Acts that we'll get to in just a moment, but I was thinking of how many of you remember, and I don't know if they still do it, I, I kind of don't think they still do it, and, and I remember it in grade school, it was called show and tell. Anybody? All right. Any young people, do they do show and tell? They do. They still do show and tell? Is that right? See, now, I think that it was probably a good idea in its day or in its time because it was an opportunity to get a kid up in front of a group of people so that they could feel comfortable sharing, talking in front of a crowd. But I feel like, in fact, what we called it when I was growing up was bring and brag. How many? Anybody ever had that name? Because it was always like one kid that would get something every month almost, and they'd bring it and brag about all the good. We got a dog. Ooh, we got a dog. You know, we got the whatever. We got the cotton picking, cotton picker Schwinn bike, you know, kind of a thing. And here is a kid with his bike inside the room, and everybody else was jealous. Well, I don't know if about everybody else was, but there was one kid that was jealous because he didn't get that, and it was bring and brag instead of, instead of the idea of, of, of maybe developing a skill for somebody to speak in front of other people. Well, I was thinking about that, bringing, or not bringing brag. <laughs> I was thinking about show and tell, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Maybe you've heard this phrase, and it's not a new phrase anymore at, by any stretch. In fact, really, it is, hey, Jeremy, I feel like I'm just really bellering out and echoing back behind me. If you could help me out there, I feel like I'm in a barrel. <clears throat> and uh, thank you. Um, but anyway, uh, you've maybe heard this phrase, we live in a sight and sound generation. Anybody heard that phrase before? It was really popular in churches eight maybe years ago or so, ten years ago. It was kind of cutting edges. This idea that, that and, I, and I, I like it to a certain extent, I agree with it, because, because you know, you're, you have two sides to your brain, right? And one side is very analytical. It's very, it's very, you know, it's orderly. The other side is more creative. It is, you know, it, it is responsive to emotion and things like that. And the Bible says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And somewhere along the line, church became this, this, everybody sitting in a row, a seat, and it's a, it's, it's a lecture, it's a, it's, a, it's a classroom kind of a thing. And the other side of our reasoning, the other side of our brain kind of was left out. And, and, and on the heels of this, the idea that, that we live in a sight and sound generation and, and you know, uh, uh, viral videos... You know, I mean, everybody's looking at cat things, cat videos, whatever it might be. That's the international sign for looking at, you know, something on your phone kind of a deal. But anyway, we as human beings, we are very visual, we are auditory, listen, all of that stuff. And so as human beings, every part of our senses are important when we're giving or getting information. You've heard about body language and, and you know, different tells. You can, you can be talking to somebody, you look at your watch, and you know what they're going to do? They go, oh, yeah, i got to go too. If you ever want to get out of a conversation, try it. Just look at your watch. Like, hey, oh, yeah, i got to get going too. I've, I've done it, not because I was not wanting to be in the conversation. I was just proving it out. 
And there's a theory, you know, where people can sit like this. They're closed in. They don't really, they're not buying into it. Others, some of you are sitting that way right now. You're not buying into what I'm telling you. All right. Others of you, they're, they're, you know, we, we can feel it sometimes. You're leaning in, you know. And so, so there's, there's far more that goes into communication than just words and listening. And, 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 and so that's the thought that I want to share with you. And I want to use actually several scriptures to kind of set this up. And uh, we'll start out, and, and let me just tell you a little background of where we're going in the book of Luke. We won't read this verse quite yet, but in, in, in the book of Luke, in, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus, you know, he's on the scene now. He comes up to John the Baptist. John is doing what he does best. He's baptizing people. Jesus steps in, and, and John is like, no, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus said, I need you to baptize me. John baptizes Jesus. Spirit of God descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove. A voice from heaven says, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I in whom I am well pleased. And so at least in the movies, that's how it happened. And so, and so then, you know, cool things happen, and he's acknowledged that God is doing something. A lot of people don't recognize it yet, but God is doing something special in this one individual. John kind of recognizes it, begins to understand something. And then we, we transition to Luke chapter 4. So he's had this experience with God and, and, a, and a, uh, an approval from God. And in chapter 4, verse 1 of Luke, this is the Passion Translation, it says, from the moment of his baptism, which was in chapter 3, Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. How many of you think that's kind of a cool thing? Wouldn't we all like to be overflowing with, I mean, man, if we were overflowing with the Holy Ghost, man, we would be devil-stomping Christians. It just, you know what, we wouldn't take boo from the devil. So he was, he was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He was taken by the Spirit from the Jordan into the lonely wilderness. In other words, into the lonely wilderness of Judea. In other words, the Holy Spirit led him. He's filled with the Spirit, just had this encounter with God. And now he's being led by God, led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, which to me almost sounds backwards because if, if I'm having a great encounter with God, why would God not take me someplace to, to be effective? Why, why wouldn't God, why would God lead me to someplace that is dry and desolate? He says he led him into the lonely wilderness of Judea to experience the ordeal of testing by the accuser or by the devil for 40 days. God led Jesus into a place that he was going to be tempted by the devil or tested by the devil. He's going to be tried, which is a lesson for you. It's a lesson for me that many times when we have an encounter with God... Something cool happens, sometimes the Spirit of God is going to lead us into something that is unpleasant. It's going to lead us into something that will test us. And in this form, you know, there was the test of, you know, are you going to fall down and worship me? Are you going to, you know, and the various temptings and testings, you know, he was hungry. He was fasting for 40 days. And it says, it says here again, for 40 days he ate no food during this time. And ended his 40-day fast very hungry. I can do like a 40-minute fast and get hungry. And, uh, but anyway, so it would be obvious that he would do this. But, but he's beginning to step into his public ministry. He's be, beginning to step into what ultimately God had called him to do. And he was tempted you know, with hunger. He was tempted with food. And he said, now, the word of God, that is my bread. That is what I'm going to eat. We're not going to live by just natural things. But there's a spiritual component to life. And then he said, uh, you know, devil tempted him, you know, fall down on your knees and worship me, and, and it's a test that we have to go through. You know, what is it? Who are we truly going to allow to be our Lord, to be our master? Is it what I want? Is it what God wants? And, and, and who, who am I going to worship? And then, you know, it was tempting the Lord, throw yourself off of this thing, doing something crazy. And, and, and so we read all of these things, and then he conquers the enemy with the word. He speaks the word. 
said, it is written, you shall not live by bread alone, all these different things. And then we read these words in the fourth chapter, the 13th verse. He said, that finished the devil's harassment for the time being. The devil, if nothing else, he is persistent. That finished the devil's harassment for the time being. So he stood off at a distance, retreating, until the time came to return and tempt Jesus again. Then Jesus, armed with the Holy Spirit's power, he was full of the Holy Spirit, was tested by the devil. But now he's got, here he is again, um, excuse me, retreating, or I'm sorry, armed with the Holy Spirit's power, returned to Galilee, and his fame spread throughout the region. Consider that for a moment. His fame spread. Kind of a nobody, kind of nobody, you know, he wasn't anything special. Spirit of God comes upon him. He's, he's tempted by the, by the enemy. He, he conquers and defeats and wins those tests and trials. He is now approved, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he's, he's doing some miraculous things, and his fame spread. How does a person's fame spread? Word of mouth. Generally, it's word of mouth today in the social media age. You know, it, it, it can spread a lot of different ways. But in this day, there were people talking about Jesus. In this day, his fame, his notoriety, there were things that were happening, things that he was saying, things that he was doing that caused people to take notice about that. And so then in, in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes, <laughs> he goes and preaches in the synagogue, Actually, he reads some scripture, comments on some things, and, and this is where we read the words where he, uh, where he quoted from Isaiah's gospel. He said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to you know, preach the recovery of sight to the blind and, and, and uh, you know, deliverance for the captive and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And you would think, here's this guy, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's talking about Isaiah. And then he said, these words are fulfilled in your ears, and then suddenly everything in that nice church service escalated, and they wanted to kill him. They ran him out on the edge of a hill. They were going to throw him off and then Jesus walked through the crowd. He just walked through the crowd. And then we read this in verse 31 of Luke 4. Jesus went to Capernaum in Galilee and he taught the people on the Sabbath day. His teachings stunned and dazed them for he spoke with penetrating words that manifested great authority. Jesus was saying some things that I think they had heard before. He was not only just teaching on the Sabbath or on the Sabbath day, but he was teaching things that were familiar to them. But there was something in the way that he communicated, that he taught, that he spoke that was far different from what the people were used to hearing because he spoke with authority. They were used to and accustomed to hearing the customs, the traditions of the Jewish law. Uh, there was arguments between different sects or groups or teachers, and, and, and it was the argument of, uh, of you know, who's, who's more right? Is it, is it preacher this guy, preacher that guy, preacher that guy? Which person has the right doctrine? And there were arguments and fights over that kind of stuff. But there was something different in the way that Jesus was teaching and preaching. He, he spoke personally. He spoke of a relationship with God. He, his words had weight to it. It had, it. it had wealth of information, but there was heart behind it. There was reality. Behind it. it was something that was real versus what they had been hearing that was, that was opinion-driven, that was scholarly, if you will. And there was the, the tradition of the day, and there was the ritual of the day. And, and you know what happens when you're, you know, I've, I've been in those church services, and haven't you been in those church services where everybody knows what to do at the exact same time, the same way, and everything else is like, been in there. 
you don't have to think, it's just you're in autopilot, right? We were, uh, if I comment, then we're going to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to trash any other group or church or anything like that because I know we're the only right ones here, but <laughs> no, I, I don't want to, you've been there, you, where the tradition kicks in and you just know what to do and, and your heart's not in it, your head's not in it, it's just there. And that's what they were used to, but Jesus spoke differently. And that's part of the reason that his fame went out from, from, from the region and all the people were beginning to talk. It's interesting to me that I think it's in Luke 7 or Mark 7 where, where Jesus was doing some teaching and he was healing people. And he said, your traditions have made void the power of God. Your traditions have made, other translations say, the word of God ineffective or of no effect. Traditions overrid the very word of God. Traditions overrid the very power of God. They trusted in the tradition more than they trusted in the word of God. In John chapter 6, when Jesus was, was man, it was some, there were some pressure moments and, 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 and people were leaving. The crowds that had been there for the filet of fish sandwich were now leaving because the heat was on and, 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 and they, were, they, they were leaving. And that's when Jesus said, you know, if you want to partake of me, if you, you're going to have to eat my blood or eat my body and drink my blood. And they're like, Ooh, I don't understand this. You know, Jesus, go back to the whole love your neighbor kind of a thing and, you know, do some miracles because this is too deep, this is too gross, this is too hard, and, and people left. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, are you guys going to go too? And I love what the disciples said because he said, where else can we go because nobody has the words of life like you do. There's something in your word, there's something in how you talk about God and Jesus that's different than, or not Jesus, how you talk about God that is different from everybody else. In fact, Jesus said, the words I speak, they're spirit and they're life. There's a spiritual component to it that brings life. So, with that backdrop of what was happening and what was going on, in Mark chapter 5, we, we're given, I'm going to give you a couple of quick stories. In Mark chapter 5, we're given the story of the woman with the issue of blood. I'm not going to go into all the detail about everything that happened, but I want you to hear these two verses. Verse 25 said, there was a woman in the crowd that had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything that she had to pay for them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Whatever it was that she heard about Jesus, whatever it was that she heard about Jesus motivated her, moved her, gave her the faith to leave her sick house, fight through a crowd, get to the feet of Jesus, touch the hem of his garment. Jesus looked down and drew power out of him, and Jesus looked down and said, your faith has made you whole. But the beginning of that faith was what she heard about Jesus. There was something she heard that triggered a response of hope, that triggered a response within her, but the, but the whole point is that the miracle for her, the miracle of the woman with the issue of blood that we hear about from time to time, that miracle of your faith has made you well started with what? Started with what she heard about Jesus. Something she heard about him at the end of the day changed a huge portion of her life, but it started with hearing. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 2, it says this, there's a centur- there a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die, the centurion heard of Jesus. 
The centurion heard of Jesus, sent some elders to the, of the Jews to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. And, and you know the rest of the story. Eventually, there were some dynamics, some things that happened. He's like, you know, man, I haven't seen such, Jesus said to this person, I haven't seen such great faith in Israel. He just said, speak the word, my servant will be healed. And so that's what I'm going to do, servant be healed. And there was a miracle that happened, but where did that miracle start? That miracle started because of what he heard. He heard of Jesus. The miracle, and we could go on and on, there's, there's several instances where they heard about Jesus, and because they heard about Jesus, it motivated them. There were the blind men that heard that Jesus was in the air, and they cried out, Jesus, son of, they heard about Jesus. Something that they heard triggered a response of faith, and I know that some of you are already ahead of me. You, you're familiar with Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of God. So faith comes when I hear something. And really, I'd love to just break this down even farther. Let me just give faith, faith, trust, uh, my response is based on what I hear. And there's a principle of hearing that, that Jesus said, be careful what you hear. He also said, be careful how you hear. Because what you hear will create an image on the inside of you. Words will paint a picture. And words will paint a picture of life and victory. They will also paint a picture of defeat and discouragement, and depression. So faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the word of God. And so these people and others in the New Testament, they heard about Jesus, and they must have heard that Jesus was a miracle worker, that Jesus was powerful, that Jesus was the deliverer, that Jesus was the answer. They heard all of these things, and they responded based on what they heard. Now, let me see if there's anything else that I want to say. All right, you can be dismissed. No, I'm not done yet. It was hearing about Jesus, it was hearing about Jesus that brought them into the presence of Jesus. When they heard of Jesus, then they took steps to get to the presence of Jesus. You see, we tend to look at Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and we look at it as far as I'm concerned. I like what one person said, faith has legs, faith cometh. By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith has legs. Faith will arise. As I hear the word of God, faith will arrive in my presence. But have you ever asked yourself, if faith has legs, how does faith get to you? How does faith, the woman with the issue of blood, her faith made her well. How did that faith get to her? She heard about Jesus. But there's a missing piece there that all of you are responsible for. I'm commissioning you tonight. You're all commissioned right now. Listen to this. This is we quote Romans 10:17, but we miss what comes before it. Verse 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I'm not going to call on, well, I'll, I'll just read this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, we believe that here. We, we believe that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we shall be exactly. So, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then there's a question. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? I can't believe if I haven't heard because faith comes by hearing, right? So again, how then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? Believing is a result of what I've heard. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Hearing and believing Go hand in hand. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? 
Now, man, don't pigeonhole that word. This is why I'm commissioning you tonight. Verse 15, how shall they preach unless they're sent? You are now sent. How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad faith. Faith has legs. Faith has feet. Faith arrives. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We get it. Faith comes by hearing. But people can't hear Unless somebody speaks, unless somebody talks, unless somebody shares. Show and tell. Show and tell. We live in a sight and sound generation. We live in a world that is moved by feeling. (laughs) If I feel like it, if I just feel like, whatever I feel is right. If I feel like I'm a car, I'm a car. If I feel like I love that car, I'm going to marry that car. There are people like that. And it's all about how I feel. And if I feel it, it's right. I don't care what you say because I'm just being me. Just being me. Don't you wish we could just be me? I think, I don't know, I'd like to just, you know, if I could just 100% just be me, you would not like me. I would not like me. I would not be here. I would be, I don't know where, but I don't think I would always be in a church. Might be a little too honest for a lot of us. (laughs) Maybe I need to find a different church and pastor. (laughs) No, you don't. All right, so so here's the thing. We need somebody to tell us something. We live in a sight and sound generation that is motivated and moved by how it feels more than anything else. And so (sighs) we want to have New Testament results. New Testament powers. We want people to get saved. We want people to get healed. We want people to get delivered. How many of you want those things? We want people to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen? It's why we exist as a church. It's why we're here. That's what the primary mission on a Sunday morning is that we are preaching for life change. We're preaching for somebody to make Jesus the Lord of their lives because every single Sunday there's somebody in our church who has not heard of Jesus. They may have heard about him, but they haven't heard of him. And people come with questions in Luke chapter 7. I thought this was interesting. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 18, this is after the healing and, 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 and John the Baptist is in prison and he's wondering what's going on. And, and in verse 18, it says, John's disciples told him about all of these things, all the stuff Jesus was doing. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord or to Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? You the one? Or should we look for somebody else? Verse 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus then went about teaching and healing. And he said, tell John these things that you see, that the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see. Tell them that the power of God is here. But it started with some questions. Every single Sunday, and this is my point, Faith comes by hearing by the word and hearing by the word of God. Every single Sunday, there are people who are here who have questions. And they're wondering, is this really the answer? 
Because I've tried religion, and I've tried church, and I've tried stuff before. I, 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 and I, I kind of believe that there's God, but man, I've been in churches, and I've been in places, I've been around other Christians, and it doesn't seem like, is, this, is there an answer here? Is there something here? Is there something that has life here for me? Because that's what people are asking. That's what people want to know. And so they arrive with questions, and they need to hear what it is that God has done for them. Now, Jesus dies on the cross, resurrected. He's alive. He appears to the disciples in the upper room. Actually, he appears to the disciples in the upper room with them, and that's when they have the encounter. He breathes on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. They're excited. They're happy. He says, I want you to wait in the city of Jerusalem till you're filled up with power. And so they go to the city of Jerusalem, they, and, and, and they go into the upper room, and the Spirit of God comes upon them in a powerful way. And, and, and you know, they begin to speak with tongues, and the people hear them speaking with tongues. They hear in their own dialect. They hear in their own language the glorious praises to God and all these other things. And, and so that happens. Peter gets up to preach. He preaches. 3,000 people get saved. And, 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 and then in Acts chapter 3, he goes, they're going, him and John are going to the temple. They see a lame man, and, and they heal the lame man. It causes a ruckus. They're talking about Jesus. Jesus is alive, and, and they're, conf- they're confronted by the religious leaders of the day, and, and Jesus, or Peter begins to preach. He says, man, you remember that Jesus? And this was, it didn't happen years ago or months ago. It happened weeks ago. So you remember that Jesus, the one that you guys crucified, the one that you guys killed? They threw Peter and John into prison. And then Peter and John get out of prison miraculously, and they're back in the temple, and they're preaching about Jesus. And they, Didn't we tell you not to preach in that name anymore? But they're afraid of the people. The guy that was lame, that was healed, he's standing there. He's like, well, we can't really say a whole lot of it. It's right there, you know, sort of a thing. And you know, there's a notable miracle here that's something, and yet we don't want you talking about Jesus anymore. And so then they're preaching about Jesus again, and they drag him in front of the Sanhedrin. They drag him in front of all of the, I mean, it, it would be like being in front of Congress or the Supreme Court or the Supreme Court and Congress. And they'd been in prison the night before. So you're going to have to give an account of all the stuff that you've been talking about, all the stuff that you've been doing. And there they are, and they're in front of these people, but they were unafraid. They were unashamed. They, and, 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 and not only were they the least powerful, but they were the least educated people in that room. They couldn't read the stuff that was on the walls. They couldn't do anything. And yet they begin to give an account and a testimony of Jesus. And as they begin to give that account and that testimony, they couldn't argue about the healed guy. And they really couldn't argue about some of the stuff that they were saying. But it says, it says that, uh, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. And they took note with these men that they had been with Jesus. We can't argue. I can't figure it out. These guys don't have any degree. They haven't been to school. They just, they're fishermen. And yet, and yet, they wouldn't bow down to the power. They weren't afraid because they knew that Jesus had conquered death. They saw Jesus crucified and had breakfast with him on the beach. And they were just, I mean, everything was awesome. Verse 18 says this, and then they called them in again. So after they, we, they took note that they'd been with Jesus, they said, like, you know what? We're still tired of this. We're going we're gonna to beat them this time. And so they whipped them. They beat them. Blood was shed. 
Verse 18 says, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't help talking about show and tell. I can't help talking about Jesus. What do you suppose they were talking about? They, 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 it wasn't like, I can't stop talking about what I, what I learned in Sunday school. Can't stop talking about what I learned at church. Can't talk, stop talking about what I heard so-and-so say. I can't stop talking about him. And so, my whole point tonight is simply this. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You can't believe if they don't hear and I was working on this, talking about, thinking about this. You know, our, our culture today, our generation today, it's sight and sound. But I'm careful about some of the words that I choose to speak in, in, in this regard. I don't want to inflame something. I don't want to sensationalize something. I don't want to run on a tangent. But today, our culture is far more anti-Christian than it's ever been. There's not the respect for God. There's not the respect for the Bible. There's not the respect for those kinds of things that were just part of our culture before. Most, I wouldn't say most, many, many people today view the Quran in the same light as the Bible. It's a religious book. Now, hopefully you don't look at, that, look at it that way. There is a higher law. There is a powerful, powerful word of God. But not only has the culture sort of shifted where we're not people aren't 100% sure uh, about the validity of the gospel or the Bible or Christianity, but, but are now much more antagonistic towards it than they were ever before. And it, it's come to the point where Christianity is not just bad, but it is, it is the result or the reason that there's so much chaos in the world. There's, there's so much hate in the United States, and it's because of religious people and, 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 and all of these different things that are out there. Now, you and I know the truth, Right? <laughs> I mean, we're responsible to love people. I think that for too long, the goal of Christianity has been to change people. But we're never called to go change the world. We're called to go love the world. And when we love the world, and when we can point to a better way, and that's why we show and tell. The, the most effective thing that you can ever do in your witness, in your testimony, is not give somebody the Romans road of salvation, kind of a cool thing and maybe easy to remember. But if all you have is a little piece of paper with the Romans road on it, that's not effective or powerful today. What's effective or powerful today is, you know what, man, I was struggling. And I was hurting. So I turned my heart over to the Lord. And I, can, I, I can't tell you a whole lot of this stuff, but I can tell you what Jesus has done for me. Show and tell. Bring and brag. And I was talking with Cheryl yesterday. And she mentioned to me, she said, you know, you talk about going out there, out into the world, and, and, and which is we should all do. But she said, you know what? I found that right here is a mission field. There's people around me all the time. <laughs> Just ask her about it after church. Or after tonight. Well, I guess we're at church, whatever we're at. First Monday. After, ask her about it. Because right here on a Sunday morning, 
There are people that are just like in Luke chapter 7 that they're one, is, is, is the answer here? Is there something? Is there? And instead of us thinking, well, Pastor Brian's got to preach the word and he's got to do this and pray and then heads bowed, eyes closed, and somebody will raise their hand and, you know, we got to pray. No. I mean, yes, we'll do that. That's, that. that's what we do. That's who we are. But I'm commissioning you tonight. I'm asking you to look, watch, show, and tell. If you have to, grab them, bring them, brag up Jesus. Because those people are here every week. And they're wondering every week, is there anything real here? I mean, it's amazing to me the number of comments that we get from people who are like, I can't believe these people are this happy. <laughs> you give it those people in those little plastic cups every once in a while, you know. Like, I want some of that, you know, kind of a thing. So every Sunday we have the opportunity. That's why we exist. Part of the reason that we exist as a church, I wrote down a couple of things, and I want to make sure and say these because, because <laughs> when the disciples were willing to show and tell, in the spite of, you know, the persecution that was there, the, 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 the religious leaders threatening to kill them and everything else. We are here tonight because they were willing to go and tell 2,000 years ago. They never stopped talking about Jesus. They took every opportunity they could to talk about him, to go wherever they went to. They were talking about Jesus. They were, and I'm not saying get fired from your job because all you're doing is talking about Jesus. That's not my point tonight. My point is simply look for opportunities. And, 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 and so this is why what we do, because people can't hear if, if we aren't willing to talk. If we're not willing to ask God to point us in the right direction. And so uh, as a church, we've wanted to remove every single barrier that we can. Anything that would prevent people from, from walking through the doors and encountering Jesus. We've tried to remove those. We've tried to make, I hate to use this word because it, it, it conjures up too many different ideas, but for lack of a better word right now, we've tried to be relevant. Years ago, I had the opportunity to speak at the jail, and I went, we used to go up there every Friday night, and I know Roy and Caroline, they still do it, and, 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 and uh, I realized real quick I couldn't talk to them like I talked to church people. Because guys in jail didn't understand 17th century English. They didn't understand thee and thou and righteousness and sanctification and all these other things. And so I had to look for ways to talk to them differently in a way they could relate to and understand. And I don't think the people that are out there today are much different than the people that were in jail. They don't respond well to 17th century language. We have to look for ways to be relatable, look for ways to relate. And so we've tried to remove every barrier. We've, we've tried to make it easy in that sense of people coming. But there, every Sunday there's somebody. Every Sunday there's somebody that needs us to talk to them in a way. And so in the age that we live in with Christianity, it's, it's, it is attacked. And, and there are people that sound extremely credible that... that can give good arguments almost of why God is not just, you know, bad. He's a monster. He's horrible. He killed people and all these other things. And Christians are no different and, and all of that stuff. It's up to us to change that. It really is. And so I want to encourage you, commission you. I don't know why I need to do that, but I feel like I do. So I, wa I want to commission you tonight. Would you stand with me? Because I believe in 2019, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, that we're not going to have to go to. They're going to come to us.
They're here all the time. There's story after story after story after story. You know, the men's group that meets on Saturday morning and guys that have come to church for the Pastor John's group, and I can't think of guys going deeper or whatever. It's guys going crazy. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, but, but people who have showed up, and, and one person just began to engage them in conversation and talk. And, and it's easy. We all do this. It's easy for us to get engaged in conversation with our friends, people who haven't seen them now for a week, and so, you know, yay, yay, yay. But when there's somebody all by themselves, when there's somebody who looks, maybe, you know, they don't, you know, the Spirit of God touch your heart, say, there's that person over there. Just go be a friend to them for a minute. Look for that opportunity because you'll have the opportunity then to share something, to tell them about something that Jesus has done for them. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, Lord, and I thank you for where we're at as a church this season that we are in. And Father, I believe this. I, I know this, Father. There are people who come here every Sunday that are hurting, they're desperate, they have questions, they wonder if there's any reality, if there's any life. And Father, maybe they've tried religion, maybe they've tried other things that the world would have to offer, and they're they're out of ideas, and, and, and they walk through the doors of this church. And Father, I pray that you would help us from everything that we do on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or in any of the services and small groups, that you would help us to be keenly aware and in tune with your spirit. That, Father, as we walk through the doors, it isn't just for us to be fed. It isn't just about us. But they would be mindful that there are people around us who have questions that perhaps we could answer. We, there are people who will be around us that we could share and speak a word in season because they're weary and they're tired. And you will take those words and spark something in them that will bring them to the presence of Jesus. And when they encounter the presence of Jesus, they will encounter the healer and the deliverer. They will encounter the one who sets free. They will encounter you and your love and your grace and your mercy beyond the, the, even their understanding and comprehension. And so, Father, I thank you tonight that as we commission, as we receive and respond to the sending out, the Father, we don't even have to go out. They're coming in. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. And I believe that whether it's leaving here and going to our jobs or our neighborhoods or a health club or wherever it is that we might go and encounter other people, that, that you would lead us, that we would be able to speak a word in season and be a blessing in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. Everybody said amen. amen.